Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. And welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's glorious to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. 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 We have a beautiful April day here in McKinney, Texas, out of our home, and it's raining outside, and glory be to God, we needed the rain. We need the rain so desperately. It's a way that God uses to take care of the needs of the earth. For the, Lord, for the Bible says that God takes care of the needs of those that are His, and we know that the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. And so when we see the gifts of God upon the earth, we, we can thank God for our reign and thank God for all the things and all the awesome provisions that He gives us. So I want to welcome you all, Gospel Saving Church. I want to welcome everybody coming from YouTube and SoundCloud. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's as if you're in my own home, coming from all over the world, wherever you come when you listen. I know that you're there, and I'm thankful that you're there, and, and, I, and I want to greet you. Welcome. God bless you, and thank you for coming and joining us. So if you guys want to open your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 15, I'm going to start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our message today. And we'll hear what the Lord has to say to us. So if you would, please, let's ask the Lord to bless the service and bless our ears and bless our hearts that they may be fertile ground today to hear what the Lord has to say to us and that we would receive God's word today. Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here today. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word, <clears throat> for your message today, for your holy Bible, the truth, Lord. And thank you for your Holy Spirit, which helps us to interpret that word. For Lord, but we know every word that comes from the mouth of God is profitable for doctrine or reproof and correction and <clears throat> godliness and such and so forth, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that we have the word of your Holy Spirit that can speak to us in our hearts. And if you so choose to speak to us in our ear. And then, Lord, we have your written word, which is also inspired by your Holy Spirit, inspired by you, that we can read and that we can glean from that and we can learn about you, Lord, so that we can, <clears throat> if we choose so to do so, Lord, we can learn all about you and learn how to please you and learn how to have a relationship with you and learn how to seek you and just continue to seek you and love you and worship you, Lord. Thank you that you've given us that opportunity, Lord. You, you could have stayed a God afar off. <clears throat> Lord, you could have stayed a, far, a God afar off, Lord. You could have never let us know you were there. And just sat back and looked down upon man and, and as each person died and they didn't know the truth because they really couldn't know the truth because you just wouldn't have revealed yourself to anybody, Lord, then you could have just laughed and watched them plummet to hell and just done that for all eternity. But Lord, instead, you chose to mingle in the affairs of man, Lord. You chose to <clears throat> get involved, step into humanity in the man of Jesus Christ. And, and, and speak to holy men of God of yours throughout the ages and give them your word and speak to them verbally and in their hearts just like you speak to us, Lord, and that they'd record that, Lord, and that would help us to know your character. For, Lord, only if we know you of your word can we know your true character, Lord. I can't just say I know you because, oh, I just had this or that happen, Lord. It has to be according to truth, and your word is truth. Thank you for that, Lord. And so, Lord, I just pray that you bless our ears today. And bless our hearts today, Lord God, and open them. <clears throat> and open our hearts, please, God, that we may receive the implanted word of God. That, Lord, that as we continue to read your word, Lord, we would know the things that you love and the things that you hate, the things that you like and the things that you dislike, Lord. And that we choose within ourselves, Lord, to make our own special covenant with you to say, yes, I'm going to follow that. 
Lord, I pray you continue to reveal yourself to us here at Gospel Saving Church and continue to reveal yourself to all those, Lord God, that listen along with me every week. Lord, I pray you bless them and bless all those that are here with me in my home. Give them a special blessing today, Lord God, and just anoint their hearts and their eyes and their ears that they would hear, see, and know you more today. Lord, we love you, and I praise you, and I thank you, dear God. Bless this word and keep that enemy away. For the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, Lord. I pray he would not do that with our time this morning. I pray that we would have a just a unadulterated, just absolute, pure consciousness of what you're saying to us today, Lord. He would not affect our minds and, and whisper to us in our ear what we're doing for, you know, after church or you know, what we're doing this and what are we going to do here? And, oh, what did I do with my keys? And, oh, Lord, I pray you'd block him. And I pray your Holy Spirit would pour out upon us and teach us. We love you and we praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, if you guys want to open the Word, the Word of God, Amen. Yes. to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to be in verses 1 through 9 today. And I'm going to read them, and then we're going to go through them. So if you guys are all there, or hopefully you've turned there, if not, you can listen along. Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read them. <clears throat> then the scribes and Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he, Jesus, answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who, care, or he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me as a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother, Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So Matthew 15, one, verses 1 through 9, the title of our sermon today Dangerous religion. Dangerous religion. So as you saw, since we're in Matthew 15, 1 through 9, we have a brand new chapter this week. We just finished chapter 14 last week, and we have a brand new chapter, chapter 15, and we're getting through the first nine verses of our new chapter this week. Unfortunately, that's the good news, okay? That's the real good news, because we're moving forward. You know, maybe at a snail's pace to some, but I'm moving along as God leads me. Um, un, so that's, that's the good thing. The unfortunate thing is that we don't quite have the uh, uplifting messages that we've had the last few weeks this week. We, we've kind of turned the, the tables, you know, as far as what, we, what we've been studying for about three weeks in a row. And we have some, we have some a lot of bad news today, a lot of, a lot of negative things today. And, and why do we have all these bad and negative things that have to come our way? Is because these religious people 
these religious leaders or whatever they would call themselves come from Jerusalem and they begin to attack Jesus and his disciples and they start to give a frontal assault on him and they bring to him some what? Some dangerous religion. And what did they say? We go back to our text, Matthew 15. We read them over 1 and 2, and then we'll talk about them again just in depth. 15, 1. Then the scribes and Pharisees, they, these were the religious leaders of Jesus' day, who were from Jerusalem, so that's telling you where they were from, came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples... You know, and when I said, I don't want to make this very clear, because it could really easily look like here that they're really just attacking Jesus' disciples, but they are not just attacking his disciples here because the deal is they're Jesus' disciples. Well, what does it mean to be a disciple? Is you're learning from somebody that's discipling you, that's teaching you. So when they say in verse 2, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They're really saying, why are your disciples transgressing that? But you're teaching them to do that as well, too. So they're attacking both the disciples and Jesus here. Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Well, sadly, it's because of people like this then and people like this now is why we have so many people that really hate God. Because they really just, you know, they come and they're rigid and they attack and they attack and they, and they think that they're godly and they, and they start attacking. And, and, but as we'll see from Jesus' response, they're really not. And so it's because of these people then and people today that we really have people that just don't want anything to do with God. They turn people away from God. And why, did, why are these people then, why were they turning people away from God then? And even people still do the, what they did here today. Uh, why did they do that? Because in case you didn't know, just in verse 2 there, they say to him, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Well, in case you didn't know, in case I've got somebody that doesn't know, you know, maybe you didn't do the research or you're a newer Christian, you're not, you know, you don't, well, you know, Exegetically, exegetically study the Bible, you know, in depth, kind of like we do here for Gospel Same Church. The word transgress or transgression is really another word for sin. So what did they say here? They really told Jesus that his disciples and he's teaching his disciples to sin against the tradition of some ancient religious guys or their ways of, you know, of these guys that were in previous generations of these religious men, and really having nothing to do with the commandments or the laws of God at all. You see what they were doing? They were holding up man's traditions, man-made traditions. They were holding them up above and against the holy written word of God. Because whenever you say they're transgressing the, the, uh, you know, the tradition of a man, can we say that you know, that's just a man's way? What about God's way? Whenever you do this, anytime you hold up man's tradition above God's laws or commandments, you create dangerous religion. Absolutely. 
you won't find one place in the Holy Bible, not one verse in the Holy Bible, where God says to man, it's okay to honor a man's tradition of religion over his laws or commandments. Not one place will you ever hear God say, oh, it's good, oh, you're... Your ways went, oh, they were against my way, or oh, your ways, oh, they were instead of my ways. All right, man, keep, keep going, soldier, because that's an awesome thing to do. No, you never read God say that ever one time in the Word. He never says that one time in the written Word ever. In fact, we're told to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, mind, soul, body, and uh, soul and body. So we know God says, love me. Not traditions of men. Love me. And you see, these religious leaders of Jesus' day had made this hand-washing issue a major religion of, or a major, a major issue of religion. It wasn't just that they were against the not washing of the hands before somebody ate, because, it, I mean, it, it just gets way more involved than that. And, and I think I would speak for every one of us here, and everybody listening online, I think everybody, we could be in agreement and say that, you know, to say that to not wash your hands before eating is kind of gross. I mean, you know, depending on what you've been doing, it's a good thing, you know, to wash your hands before you eat. You know, if you've gone to the bathroom or you've been at the grocery store and you've been driving your car and you've been all around and your hands get dirty and they get germs on them and they get nasty and they get disgusting. But to, but to say that not washing your hands before you ate to make it a religious issue and to call it a sin? Yikes. That goes way too far. That just gets absolutely crazy. So now you may not be able to see from this text here. You may not see, well, you say, Pastor, how, how do we see here that these guys made this a major issue of religion. I mean, it just says that they were against this one tradition of not, you know, washing their hands before they ate. And then, you know, that was a tradition. And I could see it'd be a good tradition. Now, maybe it's not sin, but, you know, I can see that. But how do we see that these guys made a full religion of this, you know, washing of hands and things? Well, you see, Matthew, he just kind of skims across it. Matthew was a tax collector. Maybe it just wasn't important to him. Maybe he just, you know, the Holy Spirit didn't bring it to his remembrance. But you see, Mark, in his gospel, in chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, or 1 through 4, or 1 through 5, gives us a more clear detail of everything that these guys are really doing, because it wasn't just quite that they just were complaining about these guys sinning against the traditions of men by just not washing their hands. So if you want to go with me, or you can listen along to Mark, chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, or 5 here, 1 through 4, there we go. And, and the Bible says, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came to Jesus, having come from Jerusalem. So as you could tell, it's an immediate, almost an absolute parallel of one Bible account from one disciple to another. This is just a kind of a parallel. Mark just recorded it his way, and Matthew recorded it, you know, the way he saw it. And so Mark just recording it his way, and we'll go on so we can see it's the same. Verse 2. Now, when they saw some of Jesus' disciples eating bread with defiled, uh, that is, unwashed hands, they found fault. So really, what exactly what Matthew said, they thought, they said, these guys are sinning against the tradition of the elders. Notice Mark left that part out. So you see Matthew and Mark, they got it all, but it's a full picture, but it's the same account. 
For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way. See, so we're not even getting down to the fact of just, just a simple washing of your hands and making sure you're clean and sanitary before you're eating, you know, just going in the bathroom and you went to the store and you were working in the garden, you know, and you're going to come in, you're going to eat a sandwich. Well, you want to wash your hands before you do that. Oh, that's good. No, no, no. We're not talking about that. We're talking about unless they wash their hands in a special way. Are you starting to see how they made this thing kind of a special religion? They made a big issue of religion. And he goes on to say, holding the tradition of the elders, verse 4. He goes on to tell us the part that Matthew kind of majorly just doesn't put in there. Verse 4. For when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received, you could say from the elders, and they hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. So, what do we see here? We see that it's not just a simple thing of, man, you got to wash your hands before you eat because you're going to get gross. I'm sure the disciples were doing that because, you know, people and the disciples were smart men and Jesus was their you know, master, and he was teaching them a good way. I'm sure if they went to the marketplace and they were, you know, they had gone out and they were farming or they were fishing, I'm sure they washed up before they ate, but that wasn't the issue. These religious leaders were having a problem with how they washed up. They weren't necessarily worried about how clean they were being. They were worried about if they were keeping this special tradition of the elders of washing their hands. And as we see in Mark, cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. They were worried about them keeping the things that man's tradition, man had passed down through the ages. This, no, you can't just wash your hands like that. You, you have to wash them a certain way. You, know, you have to wash them this way. Oh, and the vessel, yeah, you just can't wash that with soap and water. You have to do it this way. And, and due to where we're going with this sermon, there's a whole study you could do behind just how they did that, but we're not going to go there today. We're going to stay more along the lines of, you know, these religious men coming to Jesus. So as you can sadly see, the religious men and the leaders of Jesus' day had pretty much made a full, dangerous religion of these special ways of which to wash before they ate food. You know, I'm here to stand before you now. This kind of thing, I can say with all my heart, is absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. God never one time in his word, not one time in the word of God, does God ever give a special way to wash your hands before you ate. You know, God was all down with being clean. And there's a whole section of the Bible in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy where it talks about, you know, being clean, but talking about a spiritual type of thing, being clean and unclean. But never was there God gave any kind of method or way to washing your hands in a specific way before you ate any food. So this was a completely man-made doctrine that these Jewish men throughout the ages had, had you know, made up. They had the Talmud and they had their, you know, their, their verbal traditions and things like that, which they, they kind of put stuff like this in. They made things, they interpreted the word of God in a, in a way as such where they added so much that they really, what they did is they, be, they made it a tradition of the elder and not a way of keeping God's command and God's laws. It's crazy how people come up with all this stuff and all in what? 
all in the name of religion. Notice in verse 2, what did they say? They've transgressed the tradition of the elders. They could have easily addended them on. They transgressed the sin, or they, they sinned or transgressed the tradition of the elders who were following God. No, they didn't say that. This was purely a tradition that they had made. And notice they kept, there was no word God in the whole verse. So the tradition that they had made up was not a godly tradition. It was a man-made tradition. Sad. It's really sad when people do that. And they hold up or hold against God's word, the teachings, and the doctrines of men. It really is sad when people do that. So moving forward, how does Jesus reply to this attack against him and his disciples? Well, let's read it, verse 3. So he, Jesus, answered and said to them, I love his answer, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Notice Jesus doesn't have any problem calling them out on what they were doing. And there's two things that we see in his reply. Two things, and I, I had to point this out. I felt God thrusting me in because, you know, we had three weeks of, you know, we, we started our services off, you know, uh, Christ was, is, patient with doubting, seeking sinners, and, and then we had, you know, his love the second week, and then the third week we had some awesome, more things there. And so the first thing I see how Jesus, is, how Jesus responded to these guys, the very first thing we see here is Christ rose up like a lioness. And he retaliated against these religious men that were attacking him and his disciples. You see, God and Christ, they don't really like it much when their children, or you could say their disciples, their followers, are attacked. Notice here in verse 3, and he answered them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? He calls them out. He's not being sheepish here. He's not being shy. He's not being scared. He's not being, and he's not, but he's also not being, oh, my children, why are you also doing this? It, it doesn't make any sense. He's harsh and he's firm with these attackers here. He's harsh and he's firm. And remember, I have to bring this up. Remember how gentle and kind he was with those who had the right heart condition when they came to him. Remember how they came, oh Lord, we just don't know. I, I want to believe, Lord, but Lord, we just, I just can't know. Oh, it's my son. Why do you doubt? It calms the storm, then they come and they worship him. It's, it's a completely different way that he handled the disciples, Peter, John the Baptist, me, it's a whole different way that he handled the doubting, seeking sinner versus how he handled these attackers here. So we don't see a gentle Christ with these folks uh, bringing, that, bringing this dangerous religion to him and attacking his disciples. We see another side of Christ, but that reminds me of something that the Word of God says. In Revelation 5.5 5 and 5.6, Jesus is both characterized as the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's also characterized as the lamb. 
And we know in the picture in Revelation 5, 6, he was slain, a lamb that was slain. And we know by the Bible says he was a lamb slain for the sins of mankind. So you have two sides to God even. You know, even you, when somebody makes you angry, you, you, we tend to rise up and we get angry. and we, You can't talk to me that way. And we kind of get angry. But then if our child comes to us and says, Dad, I, I don't understand this. Can you, know, can you explain this? Hey, son, sit down. Let's, let's talk a little bit. Yeah, babe, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to you whatever you want. You got questions? I'll talk to you. So Jesus himself had a lion side. And he had a lamb side. Here we get to see his lion side. He rose up against these guys and he's like, dude, what are you even talking about? Why are you sinning against God's commandments by your traditions? So we see a tougher side of Jesus in the very first thing that we see here as he responds to these men. Second thing we see here in verse 3, notice he acknowledges that his disciples did indeed break or sin against the tradition of the elders. Look, verse 3. Why do you also transgress the commandment of God? So see, he acknowledged fully that the disciples did indeed, in fact, sin against the tradition of the elders. Yeah, I, I know that they didn't wash up right according to your tradition. But he also doesn't really care you can see that here because he fires back at them with the fact that their traditions that they were following and that they were practicing are, were actually causing them to sin against God. So yeah, I know my disciples sinned against your, your men's religious ways. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, so what? You, by the keeping of those commandments, or you, by the keeping of those traditions, are sinning against God. Did you know that? It's just a complete, he doesn't care. And yes, it, it's sad to say, but when traditions of men are broken, it's not a sin against God. It's not a sin against God. It's absolutely not. And, and you know, and, and sadly, Traditions in and of themselves aren't a dangerous, evil, bad thing. Traditions are not terrible unless what? Traditions are not bad or evil unless they contradict or go above the word of God. We can have all kinds of traditions that maybe we see something in the Bible and think maybe God, well, I, I can see that. Oh, God, you know, God would like that. It, uh, and then, but then not making that more important than God's laws and God's commandments. Because once men start to hold up the traditions of men and make, or, you know, or make traditions of men that go above or against God's ways and commandments, this is when they become dangerous religion. Dangerous religion. And then practice of any sin... Because as Jesus said here, following this tradition that goes against God's ways was sin. And we know that the Bible says that the practice of any sin will send a person right to hell. So, yes, you can have your traditions all day long. But if they go against God's word or they go above God's word, Jesus here called them sin against God. And again, the practice of any sin 
will send someone straight to hell. That's what the Bible says. Man, so we have today here in 2014, and we have for the last almost 2,000 years, we have the traditions of the Christian church. The Christian church has many traditions. And you see traditions, again, like I said, aren't evil and they're not bad in and of themselves in purity. The Christian church of nowadays, just to, just to pick one, the Christian church of America and the Christian church around the world has one main tradition that they've had, I don't even know how long, and that's the tradition of worship music before they teach the Bible. This is a tradition of man. The, the original church, you could read all through the whole New Testament and you won't find one place where they had church where they worshiped in song before they started teaching God's word. You just won't find it at all. It's not there. It's a tradition of man. How did this tradition get started? Well, we have the great psalmist David, and we have the great lyric, we have, we have Moses who wrote actually some psalms too. Well, how did that tradition get started? I believe, well, these great men of God love to sing to God. They love to play music to God. David himself used to play on stringed instruments, which reminded me of a guitar or a violin or, or some type of you know, stringed instrument, and, and lutes and, and, and lyres and harps and things like that. So these mighty men of God in the Old Testament used to worship God in song. So we know that worship of God in song is not wrong, so it's not a bad tradition to have to sing some worship songs before church. You know, some churches believe that they're not supposed to do it with music. Some churches believe that they're only supposed to, you know, do hymnals. Other churches like modern contemporary worship music. Nevertheless, all those traditions in and of themselves aren't bad and they're not evil. When do they become evil? When, do the, when does this tradition, which I'm sure it is actually in some so-called Christian churches, I'm sure it's become an evil tradition. But how would it become an evil tradition? Whenever, if they were to say, well, we're going to focus more on the worship of God before church, then, you know, we're going to focus on the Word. Or, oh, well... <clears throat> If that church over there doesn't do their worship music like we do our worship music here at this church, well, then they're in sin. Because after all, we've got the market. We know how to worship the Lord. And you see, that is ridiculous. Then you're starting to hold worship music above what? The Word of God. You're starting to let worship music divide you as a Christian body. This is when worship music can become a sin. But if you love to worship the Lord, and, and I personally, when we have our worship music, one of the things that the worship music does for me before we teach, before I teach, before we listen, is it helps me get my mind in tuned to thinking about God. It's like that buffer. You know, we come from the world. The Bible says be in the world, but not of the world. But we all live in the world, unless you're a, you know, a hermit living in a cave, in which and such you're not coming to church because you're a hermit and you live in a cave. Okay? So, but if we're in the world and we, you know, go out in the world and we work jobs in the world, then we come from that. And then when we get to church, that little bit of worship music helps us to wind down from the drive here with the crazy people on the road and, and all this other stuff. And it helps us get in there and it helps us sit down and relax. 
And the music, you know, we can sing along or we can just meditate along with it, helps us to think of God. And it kind of helps our minds transition into, you know, the hearing of the Word of God. It almost kind of prepares us. So it's not an evil tradition. It's not a bad tradition unless it's starting to be held up above or against God's laws, rules, or way. And as I said before, if a church starts to say, well, if they don't worship the Lord like we worship the Lord here at this church, then oh, that's, that's just sin because, you know, in the Bible they didn't have this. and they didn't. You know, that becomes sin because it's bringing division. And we know that the Bible says that God is not, God is not a God to divide. He's a God to unify. He, he's not a God of confusion. He's a God of, you know, he, he's a God of bringing everybody together, you know, being unified, being together. And anyway, it doesn't even matter upon all that. God's laws and commandments and ways should be the only things that we should be focused on keeping and not sinning against. Not silly man's traditions anyway. So nevertheless, we, we have to do a better job of stop letting traditions divide us because we have more traditions than that. I just Worship music was just one of those things. It's kind of like this hand-washing thing. And I'm sure some churches have made hand, you know, the worship music of, of how they do their things you know, to be different than others and then called others sin. And then, yes, Jesus said they're committing sin if they do that. But unfortunately, when religious people start to make traditions for themselves that are outside the Word of God, it usually just doesn't stop with one or two. Usually, the sky is the limit, as we see these guys did here today. You know, Christian churches will start as Christian churches and then they'll start to let, when they'll let one thing in, one tradition of man in, and then they'll lift it up above God's word. And then that's just the first thing. And then once the devil gets in there and once he wedges a wedge in there and he starts to get in there and says, okay, I've got you on this one thing. How about this? And how about that? And how about this? And how about that? And we see it absolutely with these guys here today in this section of scripture, they did the same thing. You see, once a person stops following God's word as the guide for their lives and their worship of God, then they just keep on going off track until they're just completely in lies in falsehood. There are some religions like that today. They started in a godly way. They started under godly teachings. They started under godly tutorages, tutelages. But then as time went on, they let the traditions of man creep in. And now these religions of today are completely off kilter and they're completely, completely away from God. You know, worshiping the things and doing the things which man said to do versus the way God said to do. And it's one of the reasons why Paul warns the Corinthians church, the first, uh, the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, where he says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us. So he's saying, follow my example, Christians in Corinth. Follow my example. Learn from us. Learn from us not to think what is beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. And that's exactly what thinking outside the Bible, outside what is written, will do to your life in God. It's exactly what it'll do to your life or your church's life as church. Once you start thinking outside of what's written in the Bible and start following man's traditions, 
then it's just, as it goes, you'll just get puffed up, and then you actually really stumble and fall, and after a while, you just won't even be a real Christian religion anymore. And these guys are prime examples. Their falsehood just didn't stop with the dangerous religion of washing their hands in pots and cups and etc. Read verses 4 through 6. What did he say? He keeps on to say. He switches, uh, he switches topics on them now. You know, they came at him and the disciples with one thing. And Jesus threw that back in their face and said, well, yeah, but because you do it, you're sinning. Man, well, what about this as well, too? He kind of goes off here a little bit, and he kind of throws something else at him that they were doing that was wrong. Because as I said, once you break one law of God, once you break one rule of God and just start doing your own thing, more are to follow. Read verses 4 through 6. So he goes on to tell them, For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother will let him be put to death. Well, I mean, we'll stop right there on that verse right there. How simple is that? How simple is it that God said, honor your mother and your father or your father and your mother? It's really simple. And he who curses him, basically he who goes against or curses, the Old Testament would say in God's commandments or laws, if any child curses their father or mother, just kill him. Because really what they're doing is, is they're, they're going away from me and they're not honoring the, the chain of command. I'm number one. Then in my rank, in a family, dad's number one and then a mom's number two and then the children. And if the children are going to go against mom and dad, well, here's my punishment. If they're going to do that, well, let them be put to death. I mean, that's, it, it's, it's, it's A plus B equals C. You can't even try to mess that up. Honor your mother and your father. What does that entail? Speak with them. What, speak to them in respect. Do whatever they tell you to do. Listen to them. Obey them. Honor them. You know, your dad comes home from work or whatever. Treat him nice. Talk to him nice. Do something for him. Rub his feet. Do something. Honor your mother and your father. Show them your love for them. Listen. Respect. Obey. You can't even mess that one up. And the likewise, the judgment, pretty simple. If they just won't honor and they're rebellious and they're going against, then just, you know what, they've got to go. I'm a holy God. This is what I expect. I expect my rules to be followed. So it's pretty simple. You can't, there's no arguing there. Honor your mother and your father. Verse 5. But you say, notice how he's still lying. He's still roaring up. But you say, religious leaders, but you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, uh, whatever profit you have received from me is a gift to God. What did they do? What did they do? What did they do there? They just said that mom and dad, I can't honor you and help you out anymore if you're in any need because anything that I could give you, I, I've got to give that to God and not you. And that's what they had done. They had trans they had taken the commandments and the laws of God and they twisted them. And see, in this case, it's always the devil because he's real sly. Notice what they did here. They twisted them as such as say, they, they, they told the people, see, well, see, you can't help your mom and your dad because, see, the church needs your help. The, the synagogues need your help. The church of God needs your help. We need your help. We need to, you know, to, to further the word of God. We need to, you know, to keep the religious tradition. So you you can't help mom and dad, whatever, you know, if your mom and dad need help, 
you, you can't help them because you see, no, anyway, you're number, anyway, you're supposed to honor God number one anyway. He's God, you, he's number one. So, you know, in, in order to him, then you don't have to help out your mom and dad. You just have to help, you know, the religion. Your money should all be coming to the religion right here. To do what? To further God's kingdom. You see how sly that is? You see how sneaky that is right there, what they did? They said, oh yeah, God's number one. You go, you got to honor God. You don't want to not honor God. And you know, it puts the people that are following in kind of almost a fear tactic, a fear aspect. Because the people, well, somebody that really wants to honor God, oh, I want to honor God. Oh, are they, are they right? Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't give this money that my mom and dad need or this help that my mom and dad need. Maybe I, maybe I ought to give it. To the, to the church, maybe I honor, because after all, I am supposed to honor God. And you see, by doing that, though, Jesus said here, by doing that right there, oh, any gift you'd given for me, oh, that's a gift to God. I, I got to give that gift to God. Verse 6, then he need not honor. By doing that, Jesus said, then he need not honor father or mother. Thus you have made, and here's what Jesus said, the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So their tradition said, don't help your mom and dad. Don't help them in their need. Don't sacrifice for them because really all your sacrifice and all your money should all be going to the church, should all be going to God. And Jesus condemned them for this. And he said, listen, if God gave a command honor your father and your mother, then what you need to be doing is honoring your mother and your father, not giving all honor to God because he gave you a mom and dad. That's the only reason you're here, son. He gave you a mom and dad. You have to honor them as well. And if you're going to break one thing to do another, God says, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a God of no confusion. There's no confusion here. I said what I said, do it. You know what? God's got lots of people. If he's relying on just you to make sure that his whole church runs, well, then God's not God of everything because then he's a God kind of begging. He's got, what am I going to do? How am I going to keep the lights on in that one church? Oh, no. No. God's got lots of people. And he knows what he said. Honor your father and your mother. And if your mother and father need help, you Son, which I told honor, to honor your mother and your father, and you do that, doggone it. You don't give everything to me. You honor them, and then after you honor them, yes, honor me. Honor me above all, but don't neglect just to honor me. And Jesus said, by making that a tradition, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. And what is the end result of that? Verse 7. What did they become? By doing this, what did they come by honoring man's traditions above God? Verse 7, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, end result, hip hypocrisy. For these guys, their dangerous religion led them to be hypocrites. And when a person reaches this point, they usually don't even realize that they're in error. So they will still continue to think that their traditions are correct, even though they are against God's word. And they will still believe they are truly worshiping God because these people were doing these things in their honor and in their worship unto God. They were telling the people to do this 
in their effort to worship God. But in their effort to worship God, they had gotten off track and they became hypocrites. And what does hypocrisy lead to? Verses 8 and 9. Hypocrisy right here in a nutshell. These people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, notice Jesus said, in vain they worship me. They're still trying. They still think I'm worshiping God. They still think I'm worshiping God doing the things that I'm doing. They still think that they're totally deceived. Jesus said you're totally deceived, but yet they still think they're worshiping God because Jesus said in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And you see, verse 8, they, these people draw near to me with their mouth, so they're there, and they honor me with their lips. They're there, they're, they're speaking the truth, and their outward appearance is like it's good toward God, but their heart is far from me because they're not worshiping me. They're not doing the things that I told them to do. Instead, they're worshiping men. They're taking the traditions of men and they're holding up men's ways above my ways. What does that lead to? What does this lead to? Jesus said it right here. It leads to a broken relationship with God and a false worship of him. In vain they worship me, teaching the doctrines and commandments of men. And not, he could say, the commandments of God. They weren't just simply following God's ways. They had gotten off track. And now deceived, worshiping God in a way they thought I should. Oh, I worship God this way. Yeah, that's, that's okay. God's okay with that. I, I mean, you know, I'm, 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 you know I'm, I'm still worshiping him but they had gotten completely off track, sadly. Teaching and worshiping in vain. Sad. Really, 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 really sad. And while I told you this message today was not going to be as uplifting as our messages of the past few weeks, I told you that. The Bible is the Bible, though. It is the Bible. And I must teach the Bible what the Bible says. I'm not just going to stand up here and just come week after week after week and skip around to find the next uplifting message because that's just, I, I must teach upliftingly. I can't teach, oh, I just, I can't teach that. Oh, that's not, oh, that's not kind. Oh, that message, oh, that's not going to make people happy. I, I got to, oh, 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 here we go. Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, I can't do that. The Bible is the Bible. And here at Gospel Saving Church, as you all guys already know, we teach verse by verse by verse. And, you know, anyway, if I only do that, I'm, I'm ruining you. I'm destroying you. I'd be a false teacher if I did that. Because uh, the lives of, the, of, of Jesus Christ and the lives of the disciples did not show us as a whole this abundant, pleasure-filled, oh, tiptoe to the tiptoe through the tulips. I'm having a great life. Hallelujah! Singing praise songs to God every day. Everything is just so wonderful and fantastic and so great. Oh, wow! Hallelujah! 
In our world today, you have preachers that will only teach you the positive things from the Word of God. But I tell you right now, if you're only hearing positive from whatever church that you're listening to or going to, beware. Because then they're only trying to find things that are just going to make you happy. They're just only trying to teach things that are going to only make you just tickle your ears and, and make you feel great and so on and, and so forth. Because they're not teaching you the whole truth of the Word of God. God had the whole, and all capital letters, the whole Bible written down for you and me for a reason. God could have decided to only put uplifting things in the Word of God. God could have decided only to have encouraging things and uplifting things and peace and joy-filled things in the Bible for that. He could have done that. He easily could have done that. But he didn't, did he? He gave us ups and he gave us downs. He gave us highs and he showed us lows. He showed us what? That Jesus and the disciples and everybody that's been in the Bible lives a life. And what happens in life? Lots of bad things happen in life. Lots of good things happen in life. And that's just the way life it is. And I would have to say this from anybody and for anybody that would have to know the life of Jesus Christ. If anybody would have deserved to live the easiest life that there ever could have been lived on the face of the planet since humanity was born in Adam and Eve until the last person was born just now, the person that would have deserved to live the easiest and greatest and most uplifting and awesome life would have been Jesus Christ. Why? Because he never sinned not one time. He wasn't evil in any way. He was love. Pure love. He was God in the flesh, and he came down to give people God's word and help people come to God. He never hurt anybody. He never killed anybody. He never thought evil thoughts of people. The man was God in the flesh, and the man lived a perfect life. And if anybody deserved to live a good life and not have any problems and never have any stumbling stones and never have any turmoil come up in his life, it should be him. Uh, yet, what do we find in the Word of God? We find attackers come at him. Wolves in sheep's clothing, because remember these Pharisees and these religious leaders were supposed to be the people that the, that the people looked up to and how to follow God. And so they're coming at God's messenger and they're attacking him and his disciples. They're attacking him. When's the last time you've been attacked? Well, I've been attacked before and I'll tell you, that's not my best life now when I'm being attacked. That's horrible. I hate being attacked. I like it when people like me. I like it when people talk nice to me. And did they always do that to Jesus and his disciples? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. In fact, Jesus from birth to death probably had one of the hardest lives of a person living on the face of the planet. If you remember him being born and his mother and father, he was, he was conceived and and Nazareth, and then he, he was born in Bethlehem, and, and so on and so forth. And then so, you know, we have this rough journey that Mary and, and Joseph had to take, and, and while Jesus was still in her belly, and that was hard on his parents. And so they should have had it easy too. They were the mother of God. for he, Mary was the mother of God. But they didn't have it easy either. So life is not easy. So we see highs and lows 
and ups and downs. So just beware of the teachers that come to you and say, oh, everything's always great. Everything's always wonderful. Everything's always fantastic because it's not that way. So today, back to today, though, for this downer of a, of a message, for this unfortunate, these, these evil people that had to come to Jesus and attack him and his disciples. Sadly, we get to see Jesus Christ's other role as the lion. And why do I say sad? Is because Jesus didn't want to have to be the lion. Jesus would have always loved to be the lamb. God loves you. God loves me. God loves everybody. He doesn't want to have to be harsh or scold anybody. He just wishes that we'd all, you know, he wishes that he could be kind to everybody always. He wants to love people and pour out his love and be loved back. In a relationship, you don't hope that your other, that your husband or wife or your child stumbles so that you can throw the hammer down on them. You hate, I as a father, I hate discipline of my children when they do wrong. It's my least favorite thing of being a parent. I hate disciplining my children when they do wrong. God doesn't like the discipline, but it's something he has to do to keep us on track. So we had to see the lion side of God in Jesus Christ today. Because remember, he is both the lion and the lamb. He's not one or the other. He's both. And remember why he had to play the lion role. These evil men came to him you know, with this dangerous religion attacking him and his disciples. And I don't know about you. I can speak for myself here and say this, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to face the lion side of Jesus Christ. I don't want to have to stand before God when I die and have to face the lion of the tribe of Judah. Because when Jesus got angry, He'd do things like, you know, explode off on these people here and put them in their place. And he'd do things like go through the temple with a whip made of cords and turning over tables and whipping people and things like that. I don't want to really want to face the lion of the tribe of Judah. I want to face him as the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but that's how I want to face him. So how do we make sure... How do you, how can you, how can I make sure that when we stand before God, we meet him as the lamb and not the lion? Number one, remember what I said about how he's, how he was patient with, how he was, Christ was and is patient with, you know, sinning, seeking, say, uh, how he was and is patient with doubting, seeking sinners. Thank you, Lord. Well, God hates pride and arrogance. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So always remember, whenever you go to God, the Bible just has a flat across the board. Whenever you go to God, go in humility. Because these guys here, they did not come to Jesus in humility. They came in pride. They came in arrogance. How dare you and your, how dare your disciples and how dare you teach them to sin against the traditions of our beloved men? Oh, oh, sin against man. Oh, can't do that. So always remember, be humble when you come to God. That's number one. Always, whenever you approach God or approach, approach Christ, always come in humility. Knowing that we are really, and this is true, we are really nothing. Remember, He created you, not you created Him. Just keep that as a, as a thing in your mind as you're, you know, come before when you come to worship Him or you come to ask Him a question. Always come in humility. 
And number two, how can you make sure that you can face the, the Lamb of God instead of the Lion of God? Well, use these men here as an example for yourself and your own life. Use them as your example. That's what the Bible says anyway, that the things that were written down, the things of man that happened to man and happened between God and man in the Old Testament and in the Bible are things that we can learn from. So that why? Well, if other people have already made mistakes and we can go and look at their mistakes and look at how God reacted to them after they made that mistake, then we can realize, oh, wait a minute. Well, they made that mistake and, oh, ooh, God like, wow, he destroyed them. Or, whoa, he opened up the ground and they fell in and closed the ground back over. Whoa, they, yikes. I don't, I don't want to do that thing that made God angry. I want to I make God happy. So use these men as an example today. These guys came to Jesus with some pretty bad, dangerous religion. So don't, with whatever you do with, with all that's, then you excuse me, don't, verse 6, Jesus and God. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Just simply, simply don't, verse 6, don't make the commandment of God nothing because you have to honor this so-called tradition in your life. Honor the commandments and the ways of God. It, it doesn't really get any simpler. Instead, come to God in Christ with pure, undefiled devotion and religion. Come to Him in that way, with a humble heart. And how do you do that? Well, it all starts through Christ Jesus, we know. For Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. So that's your starting point. That's, 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 you know, you have your point on your map when you do a, a, a map quest or a, a Google map or something and you want to know how to get to here. here. You know how it's A and B? Well, that's your A. Your A is come to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no man comes to the Father but by me. Period. The end. That's A. B, we get to B, but B takes a little bit of time. B is a lifestyle. Just like going from here to California, you'd have this big long line on your map. A would be your starting point. That's where you are. Start at Christ. That's A. He's A. And B would be this left here, right here, straight here, west here, east, north, south, west. And that is what that the Bible calls that a lifestyle of doing what? Getting into God's Word. Going into God's Word, the Holy Bible. And finding out how he, not how you want to do it. This is not Burger King. God, there's no Burger King in the Bible. God says, do, this is how he wants it. Find out what, how he wants to be worshipped. How he wants things to be done. And how he wants to be served. And simply, it's really simply, do it that way. Find out what God says is important. Same as you would with your spouse. If you've been married, you know the things that your wife loves. Well, how do you know the things that your wife or your husband loves? Well, because they tell you when you do something, oh, oh sweetie heart, I don't really like that. Oh, and as a husband or wife, you go, oh, you don't like that. Oh, okay. I'm not going to do that anymore mentally. 
Oh, well, well, what do you like instead of that? Oh, I love this. Oh, mental note. Oh, he loves that. God's word is the same thing. In God's word, we have the things that God loves, and we see the things God says, I hate. It's really simple. We don't have to take mental notes. They're right here. The notes are all right here. You just have to go to this notebook right here. God's already given you a big notebook. And you say, oh, God loves that? All right. God loves this. Okay, let me do it this way. Wow. Oh, oh, God hates it when people do that. Ooh, wow. Ooh. I, if he didn't like it when they did it, then chances are he's not going to like it if I do that either. So go to God's word. It's your roadmap. Find out the things that God loves and do those things. And find out the things that God hates and dislikes strongly and all of the above. And don't do those things. And then in your life, do the things that you know God loves and don't do the things that God hates. Always, only, only through Jesus Christ, your A starting point. And don't, don't make up any man-made traditions or follow any man-made traditions that go against or go above God's word. It's just pretty simple. If man says, do this, and God says, I hate this, then say, well, tradition, I've got to cut you off with a hacksaw or a hatchet, and i got to do what God loves. It's really simple. It's really, really simple. That's a lifestyle of seeking God, finding out the things that God loves, and doing those things, finding out the things that God hates, and don't do those things. Yet, sadly, Many people, as I mentioned earlier, want to make their own path of religion. And sadly, when they die, they will face and hear Christ and God say to them the things along the lines of what Christ said to these religious men here in Matthew 15. You'll hear those same things. If you want to blaze your own path of religion and you want to ignore God's roadmap, then when you stand before God, since God's gave you a clear roadmap right there, do it this way, don't do it this way, and you say, ah, ah, you know, I, I can't trust that anyway. It's written by man. It's been, you know, messed up. It's been, you know, people faked it up and done all this other. I just, I think uh, God wants me to do this. So I'm, I'm just going to do this thing like this. But, but the Bible, so you can't trust the Bible. Yeah, you know, you can't do that anymore. Oh, well, okay. Fine. I sure hope you're right. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. And if God made everything, he can certainly keep one book accurate for all ages. Because after all, he made everything. Keeps this planet spinning in the sky and keeps gravity upon the earth and keeps the air forming on the planet so that we can keep breathing and keeps food growing so we can keep eating. I think that God's capable of keeping one book pretty straight. Just one book. So find out the things that God does and do those things and find out the things that God hates and don't do those things. So please today for yourself, look within yourself and look at your lifestyle. Examine yourself today, God says. Are you, look at yourself, ask yourself, what things do I do? Do I worship God in any vain ways? Do I worship 
God with man's traditions or do I worship God according to the way that his word says to do things? Hmm. And then if you're just not sure, well, there's a good way to find out. You can go to the word of God and you can look it up in our Google search engines and our Bing search engines and all this other stuff and our Yahoo search engines. And you can type in a topic and you can go right to the word of God and you can find out if something you do makes God angry or something you do makes God pleased. But it's really that simple. It's just, I challenge you to do it. Or you could just think, oh, I'm just okay, you know, just like these people here. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And you can keep worshiping God in a vain way. But then, like I said, the warning to you and me and everybody that does that is when you stand before God, he'll say, my child, I gave you my roadmap. I gave you my way to do it. I clearly pointed it out to you in my word. But yet you chose to blaze your own path and just do it your own way, even though you knew my word said, absolutely do not do that. My child, I'm sorry. You didn't care about me. You wanted what you wanted then, and here you get what you want now. So God has to send you away. So please examine yourself. Examine your religion. Examine your devotion. and you know, Examine the things that you do unto God and see if they line up with God's word. And if they don't, make that thing change. Don't make the thing of God change to fit how you want to worship God. Do the thing that God says and get rid of the thing that you're doing that's not of God. Pretty simple. And always, always, always come through Jesus. The Bible talks about repentance toward dead works and faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what the whole Christian, that's what a whole saved life is being like. Once you find out I got a dead work, repentance or dead works, turning away from those dead works, and then faith and trust and obedience unto Christ. Pretty simple. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for giving us this message today. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much, Lord God, that it's clear here that you do not like you hate traditions of men that contradict or go against or stand above your word and your commandments and your laws. I just, I, Lord, you just, it's something you hate. So I just pray, Lord God, right now that anybody that heard this message that's worshiping you in a false way, I prayed that they would go to the word and they would check out the ways in which they worship you, the ways in which they do things, and that they would go to the Bible and they would go to the Word of God and check out that issue in the Bible and find out what you want them to do in that situation. And I pray, dear God, that they would have the guts, that they would have the guts to stand against their own religion, to stand against their false religion that they're in or their, their false ways of life that they're in, and that they would cut that off with a hacksaw, Lord God, and they would chop it off with a machete, Lord God, and that they would go for, forth toward your way and do things the way you want them done. And just focus on your word and learn their doctrines. Not, not man's ways, but learn your doctrines, Lord. Learn, learn your commandments. Learn your laws and learn your statutes or your ways. Lord, I love you and I praise you and I thank you, dear God. I just pray that those that hear would not just be hearers only. I pray that they would do. I pray that they would do the things that they heard today. And not just be here as only, Lord. For I have your heart, Lord Jesus. I desire none to perish. 
and all to come to repentance, Lord. And it's the one that comes to repentance that doesn't perish, Lord. It's the one that repents toward their dead works, their dead religion, their dead things that they do, and they turn to faith and obedience unto Jesus Christ. I love you and praise you, dear God, and I ask all these things in your mighty and holy and precious name. Amen.